Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to have you here with us. If it's your first time uh, with us, uh, we're just glad you're here. I'm Jim Del Campo, and uh, I'm the pastor here. And let me just tell you, that was my son doing the hosting today, and I just lo- I love that he calls me Pastor Jim here. I'm trying to make him call me that in other places, but uh, he just doesn't seem to t- warm up to that idea in other places. But um, today, uh, like I said, if it's your first time, we're in uh, a series in Galatians, and what we do on Sunday mornings is uh, we'll go from book to a topical to a book to a topical. And so this year, we're going through uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians on Sunday morning. Those are all New Testament letters. And then at the end of each one, we'll do a topical series. And so we have today and next week that are left with Galatians. It's only six chapters. Then we'll go to a topical series. But that's what we do. And then Tuesday night, we do verse by verse, of which right now we're in Joshua, doing verse by verse. And so our goal is always to teach you the Word of God, the Bible, um, it's my strong opinion as I look around, read, everything, that we as Christians, we, we need to become more literate in the Word of God. Amen to that one? Because to be able to defend it and stand for it, we've got to know what it's saying. And so it's one of my jobs to teach you this Word of God, and so hopefully I'm doing that. Today, and we'll be in Galatians 5, uh, today we're going to talk on the flesh versus the spirit. And um, how many of you men remember, uh, and some of you women remember this obviously, back in the 90s, there was a major Christian men's movement called Promise Keepers. Anyone remember that? Raise your hand. Promise Keepers, raise it up. Okay. Promise Keepers was a really cool thing because it challenged men to be men. Now, when I say that, uh, don't listen to the Kool-Aid of the culture that tries to feminize men. I'm not into that at all, just so you know where I stand on everything. Men need to be men. Amen to that one? And they need to be allowed to be men. Um, and the biblical, a biblical man, not a, a dysfunctional man. But um, Bill McCartney, he led this whole thing, and it was a massive movement. And I remember going to the first big event at the Coliseum. Did anybody ever go to that Coliseum event? You, oh, you, okay. you were there, Dan? You didn't say hi? I didn't know you back then? Okay. Um, I remember walking in, and I just could not believe that the Coliseum was filled to the brim of men. It was incredible. And uh, they were just challenging us to be biblical men. And I really cannot remember the preacher's name that night. He was a great preacher from L.A. Uh, He's passed away. And he made a statement that I have never forgotten. In fact, I've used it uh, multiple times over the last, you know, 28 years or whatever it's been. And he said this. He said, the enemy is enemy. Say that with me. The enemy is enemy. Come on, everybody. Some of you are like this. Okay, here we go. The enemy is enemy. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, he meant that there is an enemy that dwells within every one of us. See, as a person who's come to Christ, I have a new born-again spirit. But I, I still have an old nature that wants to do wrong stuff. Has anyone ever met that person in themselves at all? You talked to him recently? Okay, okay, we got that, all right. So there, there's this 
this, this war and, and there's this, this battle and between the flesh and the spirit. And when I say the flesh, please don't think that it is your physical body. Um, throughout the ages, people make that mistake and then they go off into what's called asceticism where they'll beat the body into submission or they'll lock themselves away for decades by themselves so as not to be tempted in any way possible. They'll walk up a million stairs on their knees trying to beat the flesh. No, Paul uh, puts that down. and says, don't be doing that in Colossians, New Testament letter. So that's not what it is. The flesh is the old nature. It's the old me that, well, it just, it likes sinning. It likes the old, old way to go. And so there's this war and this battle that goes on the Christian. Now, if you ever have heard this, and please don't ever say this to anyone, but have you ever heard someone say, uh, if you come to Christ, all your problems are over? Have you ever heard that one before? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Because how many know when you came to Christ, now the war started, right? Because see, before I came to Christ, I didn't think anything about my sins. You guys, can you relate? I have no problem sinning whatsoever. There's no fight to, to stop doing this. But then I come to Christ and the Spirit of God comes to dwell in me because that's a, what a Christian is. The Spirit of the Creator comes to live in you. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. But now you have this, this battle, this, this tug of war between the flesh and the Spirit. So we're in this series where Paul is talking about uh, in Galatians, we're saved, keep in the box of salvation, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Not by any works you can do, not by any good deeds, because good deeds do not wash away sin. You can do a thousand good deeds, and you can't even wash away one sin, and every one of us has committed at least 30,000 sins, right? And so you can't even wash away one. And so we needed a Savior to come down, that's called grace, to us he stooped down to us because we couldn't make it up to him so that's what Paul is uh, is putting forth so one of the things I want to point out a few things before I get to the little commentary part in verse 13 of chapter 5 but one of the things Paul says in verse 12 and don't worry I'm, I'm just going to read to you he says I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves that's kind of a hard statement but what is Paul why is he so Strict. Why is he so hardliner? And the word mutilate means to amputate. He wish they'd amputate themselves. So, what he's talking about is those people, as we've been studying, that are trying to make uh, bring attachments to salvation, such as you got to obey all the laws, and if you're a male, you got to get circumcised. These have to be done if you really are a Christian. And Paul is fighting that back because that's old old Judaism. He's saying no, no, no. So he says, I wish those people that are doing that, that are misleading you that they would even amputate themselves, that they'd be cut off from the kingdom of God because he knows what it'll do. It causes Christian neuroses and you start thinking, am I really saved? Oh, I acted this, I messed up this morning so maybe I'm not saved. You start going through all those crazy thinkings and, and that's not good. So Paul says, I wish they'd amputate themselves. So he's gonna take us into this war, the battle, the realm of the war between the old nature and the new nature and um, my gener and by the way we're all watching war on TV right now correct you're seeing in real time war well my generation new, the baby boomers we were the first generation that um, that ever watched war on TV every night on the news 
We, how many remember the Vietnam War? Way back, you watched it on TV. You remember that? We were watching these things. So we were watching war every night. No generation ever watched war before. I can remember being like in seventh grade. I was worrying that the Vietnam War was still going, and I'm going to turn 18 here in about six years. And anybody, you remember feeling like, I felt like way. And, and so I was worried about being drafted and going to Vietnam. And, um, and then finally the Vietnam War ended the beginning of my senior year in high school. And it was like, whew, thank God for that one right there. But you understood you were watching war in, in real time. So Paul is gonna, is gonna talk to us about this war, this battle that rages in every one of us. And doesn't, how many here would like to know how to conquer the old nature that wants to sin? Anybody wanna know how to do that? Oh, not even half of you wanna know that, okay. Okay, good, so a few more hands went up, okay, got it, okay, good. Okay, so I'll keep going since a few more hands went up in this area. Um, so I wanna do a little bit of commentary in verse 13, 14, 15. I wanna set this thing up, and then I'm gonna give you three different points of what I think Paul is bringing out now in point one I'm going to give you a list Paul's list of sin and Paul's list of fruit of the spirit it's not the only list he has of sin there are other lists in the New Testament there's one in Romans there's one in 1 Corinthians you see a, a, a list in Ephesians you see Paul pointing out specific sins in the New Testament this is just one sin so it's not all encompassing so here we go, verse 13. Now watch what he says, because now he's going to flip the script uh, in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. In other words, he's saying this. Now that you're free in Christ, don't think that you can just go and sin and do what you want and say, oh Lord, forgive me. Now, how many of you like me as a person that gets worried that people are going to take advantage of grace are glad that verse is in there. Anybody? Because when you hear a lot of grace, you think, oh, Jim, don't say that. They're going to just start sinning, right? That's the way I feel inside too. I'm like you, you're like me. So Paul puts us in there. This is the other side of the coin, which teaches us that, look, if you're really a Christian, if the Spirit of God really lives inside of you, there should be a change of attitude and focus, right? There should be a desire to walk in the new ways uh, of Jesus Christ so what Paul is saying and I'll use these I'll use a statement because I think it works well and I think Abraham Lincoln said it but freedom uh, is uh, is the ability to do what you ought not what you want you should do what you ought that's called responsibility not what you want to do we are breeding a generation of people in our America of people that just get to do what they want. And that's dangerous, is it not? You as a parent and grandparent, you need to raise your children up to learn to do what they ought, to be responsible, to take responsibility for their lives and not think that everybody's gonna do what they want them to do. That's selfishness and that's like toddlers in the sandbox. Amen to that one? So you got to be real clear as you parent on how to parent them right. Now, verse uh, 14 says this. Now watch what he says. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Now, 
now he kind of separates the ought and the want. He's telling us that, you know, the whole law, to obey the laws of God, is really summed up in, in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you ought to do, Jim. And then in verse 13, back up, he says, how do we show that love to others? We love by serving other people. Love is an action thing where you serve other people. That's what we ought to do. Amen to that one? Now, he flips the script in verse 15. He says, but if you don't do that, you know, if you don't walk by that spirit, by, by love, then you're gonna turn around and walk in your old nature and you're gonna bite and devour one another he says, and be careful because if you do that, you're going to be consumed by one another. That's why somebody in this room, a couple, you can't stop fighting. All you do is argue. All you do is fight. Because it's just about you. You came into marriage and you thought, you're going to make me happy. You can do what I want. No, no, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're called to love the other person through serving through serving that's marriage that's Christianity that's what an adult looks like but if you think it's just like they're going to do what I want whether you verbally verbalize that or not but it's in your heart you're going to bite and you're going to devour each other you're just going to fight and if that's what you like then that's what you like but I like peace any amens and so if you're going down the wrong roads like that, you need to fix that and go with the spirit, not with the old nature, not with the old flesh. That was a free one for you married people, okay? So we're going to look at this thing, what I ought versus what, what, what I want. And we're going to look at flesh versus spirit. And so now Paul is going to take us on this journey to see the enemy that's in me, all right? So three things for you this morning. Number one, if you're taking notes, and that's this. The flesh and the spirit have different appetites. Have you noticed that? Your old nature wants one thing, your new spiritual nature wants another thing. Have you noticed that? There's the fact, there's the fight inside of us. Now, watch verses 16 through 18. He gives a great description, a great truth. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh, the old nature, sets its desire against the spirit, the new nature. And the spirit, new nature, against the flesh, old nature. For these are in opposition. Say opposition. There's a fight going on there. To one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. In other words, you don't just do what you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit... You are not under the law. And we're going to get to that big time in a little bit later here. But the flesh and the spirit, my old nature, my new nature, they have differing appetites. They're opposed to each other. One says, do what you ought. The other says, do what you want. But they're in opposition. So let me try to explain this through... Uh, uh, if you're new here, just know that I give the dumbest illustrations. Everybody know that, right? Okay, so... Nikki, you smile because you've heard these for 40 years, but um, she was in my youth group um, way back when in a land far away. How many, I got some questions. How many of you like onions on your food? Oh, you got problems. Okay, how many of you like me 
think or wonder why did God ever create an onion? I gotta know who's on my team, man. Okay, yeah, okay. And how many of you like onions? You like those grilled onions and pile it on your burger? Raise your hand. Oh, even more hands? R really? Okay, yeah, we, we, we got some counseling for all of you uh, outside. So, okay, so my family, um, when, when they get together, my kids and stuff, for whatever reason, them, my kids, and my wife like to gang up on me. Has, has anybody faced that? They gang up on me. And so, who clapped? <laughs> who clapped? Oh, you clapped. And so, they all like onions. And if, we have, they make, if they grill burgers, they won't let me grill because I'll burn those things, man. I'll get every bit of red out of that thing. Any amens on that one? So they won't let me near that thing. So they're grilling and, they, and then they grill it. Are you kidding me? And then they, my wife tells me something. Have you, have you ever tried it before? You know how many times my wife has told me that? Like way too many? And I go, yes, I tried it when I was like about eight years old and I'm never going back. You know, when my wife tells me stuff like that that really irks me, I'm gonna give this, you guys, you men can use this with your spouses. When she does something that just bugs me, here's what I do, I go. When it really, really bugs me, I use two hands. And she knows, and she knows you're really, you're bugging me, baby. And, and, and then when she's really, really on the edge and bugging me, and I always tell her, I go, that's one, Olivia. That's, and she gets three a day okay somebody in first service goes and what do you get I go what but they're always but my family they're pressuring me these, these onion eaters are pressuring me and, but I choose because I'm a holy man to walk in non onion world any amens on that one right there I'm a holy man so I have to battle the onion eaters they're in direct opposition to what I, I know and I believe, right? Because, you know, why did God ever make that? I don't know why. But anyway, I'm in opposition, so I walk holy, and, but there is a fight. And it's every time we get together and there's onions involved, they always have to sit there and go, have you ever tried it? And they talk like this. That was a really good impersonation of all my family right there. Now, the, the, but there, my point is there's an opposition. But let me give you a, 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 a real clear one too whenever the, the old nature is trying to push me up and go there, the old nature is addictive and it's consequential is it not there's an addiction to it and there's consequences to the old nature there's consequences to the new nature you walk in the spirit this, good things are going to happen you walk in the old nature it's consequences good and bad going to happen now think of it like this here's the way the consequences might work now, how many of you guys, everybody's heard of Noah's flood, right? That was the last rain in Santa Ana River, the guy named Noah, no, I'm just joking. But Noah's flood, the big deluge and, um, upon the earth, and if you're new to church, I'll fill in some gaps. And, and uh, it happened about 4,300 years ago on the earth. And, um, and just for, for my sake, because I won't feel good if I don't say this, 
Um, you know, Noah's flood, massive amount of water. Do you know the earth opened up and water came from inside the earth and it never rained and water came from above? God brought water in both directions and it flooded the whole earth. And so when the earth, when, when the water started to recede, the earth was muddy and everything like that and the water starts to flow because when the earth opened up and water came out and then God sealed it back up, guess what? The valleys dropped. That's what we see today, massive oceans. The same water you go swimming at the beach is the same water of Noah's flood and all that. But I say that to say this if you ever go to the Grand Canyon and you see that and I, I walked in there and it's like you gotta be kidding but they, this is the way the world has been taught and it says it took 8 million years for the Colorado to carve out the Grand Canyon you ever see that one in there right there 8 million years ah, wrong okay the massive amount of water of Noah's flood the amount of water of Noah's flood carved that Grand Canyon out I'm sure in a matter of one to two months you see that, that's not really go read about Mount St. Helens and go read about the mini Grand Canyon that was formed in a matter of hours by one volcano. And go and tell me that this couldn't happen with a massive amount of water, my friends. Sure, it could happen. And that's the way it did happen, all right? So, now, with that said, so Noah, he's in the ark. And the, the deluge comes. And finally, after a lot of days, the, the rain stops. And Noah's waiting till the ark is going to come to rest. We know Mount Ararat. But he's waiting. He wants to know if there's land out there so he gets a raven he sends the raven out he says the raven flies around never comes back why does the raven not come back because the raven looks for dead things and it found dead animals or dead bodies and the raven found what it's looking for it looks for death so time goes by and then Noah sends out a, a dove and the dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit remember Jordan baptism and so he sends out a dove the dove flies here, the dove flies there, it says, but he comes back. He lands nowhere. Why doesn't he land anywhere? Because it's not looking for death. The dove's not looking for that. Only the raven looks for death. So time goes by, he sends the dove out again. The dove flies around, finds an olive branch, snaps it, brings it back to Noah. There's an olive branch, Noah knows, now there's land. But that's a great picture of the old nature consequences and new nature consequences. The raven is a picture of our old nature. It goes out and looks for death. When we follow the old nature, the old pattern in us, it leads to negatives. It leads to death. When I, we walk in the dove and the Holy Spirit and we, uh, we find life, the olive branch. That's the difference between the two. And they are in opposition to one another. Now, Paul, he gives us a list because... Um, you see, you and I really can't say, well, there's my old nature, I see him. No. So Paul's going to describe what, what our old nature, the old Jim looks like, the old you looks like. And have you ever watched the crime shows where the sketch artist sketches somebody to say this is what the person looked like? The, anybody see those? And they always say, oh, it looks just like him. And I'm thinking, no, it doesn't. It doesn't look at all like the guy. But they, oh, it looks just like him. I don't know how they come to that. But, but, Paul's giving us a sketch, a sketch artist sketch of what our old nature looks like. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to define some of them. Not all of them, because too many. And this is just one list of sins in the New Testament. So 19 to 23, watch this. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, here comes the list of the old nature, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, 
outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty heavy. Now, verse 22. Here comes the fruit of the Spirit. This is the new nature. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, let me define some of them for you. Like I said, I cannot go through all of them, and this is just one list, therefore it's not exhaustive of all the New Testament sins on Paul's list in other, when you put all the letters together. Let's take them, a few of them here for you. Immorality. Immorality is sex outside of marriage. In other words, no sex except within marriage. And marriage, defined in the Bible, is only between a man and a woman. Let me go deeper. A biological man and a biological woman. I have to say that because we've gone nuts. Am I right? There are only two genders, friends. And guess what? That's called science. Okay? That's science. So when people say they write these things now like, oh, they were a sound male at birth. No, XY, you're a guy. Okay? You guys know what XY is, right? Don't you? Okay, okay. XY, you're a guy. So it's male and female, and that's it. There are no other genders. We have lost our minds, okay? Is what we've done in this culture. But that's what it is. So marriage is defined between a man and woman. No sex until you get married to this person. Another one is impurity. That is sexually impure speech. You take all those dirty jokes. You make those sexual comments about the coworker to your buddies. You're laughing at all the dirty, dirty jokes at school, at work. You're, you're jumping right in. You say certain things, sexual things to ladies, wherever you're at. That's all sin, my friends. Sin. You need to respect women. I thought I was going to get more than that on the book. Okay. Sensuality. Sensuality is an appetite that knows no shame. It's whenever with whoever, which means you're a dog. Am I right? Yeah, I'm a dog now. I have I just whenever, whoever, sexually, whatever. And then there's sorcery. And you say, oh, Jim, I'm not into the, the dark arts and stuff. Wait, 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 wait. This word, we get our word pharmacy. So sorcery is the idea of the use of drugs and intoxicants. That's a sin. And that's where you find in the New Testament, right there. Right there. In fact, Revelation says sorcerers will not make it in the kingdom of God, too. Then drunkenness. Drunkenness, this word means to be impaired in the slightest form. Well, I think there's plenty of Christians that get impaired in the slightest form plenty of times. 
And they say, oh, I can handle it. I didn't know that was in there. Where does it say I can handle that at? It doesn't say that in there. It says you're not to be impaired in the slightest, the slightest way at all, at all. You're to be of sober mind because you are in a spiritual battle every second of every day of your life. And by the way, if you are serving alcohol to other people, it says in Habakkuk, woe to you for doing that because you're setting them, them up to be a little bit impaired and allowing the enemy opportunity into their life. And you're just as guilty. And then there's carousing. Some of you wish you'd never come to church today, right? Okay. <laughs> carousing. Carousing the bigger, it's unrestrained partying. It's just the alcohol's flowing. I'm partying it up. All right, it's the weekend. I'm going to party tonight, party tomorrow, and I'm going to come worship God on Sunday. Oh, really? Oh, really? No, he says those who practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't write the mail. I just deliver the mail. Okay? This is God's word. This is what God says. Now, that's the old person. The old nature wants to go down those roads. But then there's the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you some of those. It's the new us. Love. That's agape love, by the way, choosing the highest good for other people. Love is mentioned first because it encompasses all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. See, all sexual perversions and violations of God's word are violations of agape love because agape says I'm going to choose the highest good for you we're not going to have any sex until we get married it's not going to happen I'm not going to go out and have sex with somebody else and I'm married I'm not going to do that I'm not going to go down the roads and that includes homosexually that's a violation that's a perversion all these things are now here's our problem in society listen very closely when you disregard God and discard God, which culture has, then you have no more agape love. You will not do what you ought. You will not choose the highest good for other people. But instead, you will go into, there's another Greek word for love, and that is eros, and that is sexual. Sexual stuff, romantic sexual. But if you disregard agape, you have no standard. Now, eros, sexual, romantic, can be anything you want it to be. And now we become a God and define that any way we want. And that's what you're watching right now. Because God is throwing out the picture so there is no foundation for what a person believes or operates in. I'm just going to make it what I want to make it. And that's all it is. And that's where society is right now. That's a biblical truth right there. And you and I are called to stand firm and not bend to these crazy people out there. And say in God's word, any amens to that one? That was weak. Then there's joy. Now what's joy? Joy is this inner joy that comes from, it does not come from things. See, some of us, we finally realize that I keep buying things and it gives me joy for like five days? Then I gotta buy something else? Or I gotta do this and that to find joy? But when you have true joy, it's an inner joy from God, amen? And you don't have to look for it everywhere else because it's in here. And you bring that joy to other people in your situations. And then he talks about peace. Well, peace, that means when I have God's love and God's joy, I can have peace. And it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. That you're the calm, peaceful one through whatever the storm of life is. 
And when Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Well, what he's talking about there is that a peacemaker is someone who brings peace to situations. You don't bring strife. You don't inflame arguments. You don't cause division. You bring peace. And that's your job. You're a reconciler between God and man. So you bring peace because you're a peace-filled person. And then he says goodness. Goodness, what's goodness? Well, it's the idea of generosity. There should be no stingy Christians. We should be the most generous people on the planet. Amen? And then there's gentleness, or we call it meekness. Meekness is important. People think meekness is just a bunch of weakness. No, no, it's pure strength. Because meekness is the idea of power under control. The classical Greek description is a wild stallion. And that wild stallion, does it have power? The answer is yes, but you can break it, you can train it to pull something to plow or to ride or whatever. Now, that stallion can now be used for positive things. Has it lost its power? And the answer is no. It's still powerful. But now it's been disciplined to do good to bring about good things, good consequences. That's the idea of meekness. You have your power. You can do things, but you're not going to use it to intimidate people. You're not going to use it to get physical with people. Or rough people. You're not going to do that anymore. You have the power, but you can use it for good now, not for evil anymore. Now, those are just a few. So Paul gives us the differing appetites uh, that are opposed to one another. So here's my question I think you might ask. I know I would ask, and that's this. How do I keep my old nature from overpowering me? Any amens? How do I stop that old nature? How do I win and not just keep giving in to old sins and old ways? Well, I'm going to give you a couple things this morning of what Paul says. The first one is this, point two. To win the battles, we need to know the enemy has been defanged. And you'll see why I say defanged in a second. Look at verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now don't, don't miss that. So when I walk in the Spirit and when I give my life to Christ, there's something you gotta know, guys. You gotta know this. The old nature, the old person, they've been crucified. They're crucified on the cross. Now how does that translate? Romans 6.6 6 says this. Knowing this Read it with me. One, two, three. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be, say, done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Oh, now we have freedom from sin. There's the freedom part coming in. But done away. Now the words done away, it's the idea of paralyzed. My old nature and you've got to know it. My old nature, it has no power over me anymore. My old nature, when I put my faith in Christ, that old nature was pinned to the cross and lost all of its power. It can't make me do anything. Nothing whatsoever. So, let me explain it this way. How many of you love, and I just love that, the claymation Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer at Christmas time? Raise your, i got to know, okay? Isn't that the best? I mean, and by the way, side note, do you know that the cancel culture wanted to cancel that? Yeah, you know why? (laughs) 
Because they said, you're not being nice to Rudolph with his handicap of a red nose. It's a claymation. You know, it's like, sidebar, how many of you, please say it's a Christmas movie, please, I hope you haven't already put up your Christmas lights, okay? It's October, all right? Could you slow down? You already get everything in the mail, it's June. It's Christmas, it's around the corner, stop. I saw this cartoon recently, and I like the far side, and they pop up a lot. And so there was this one far side, and they had Halloween driving the car in the lane, and it had Thanksgiving turkey in another car, and Santa or whoever in another car, and Christmas, and they're trying to get in where he is, and, the, and, and Halloween is saying, stay in your lane. <laughs> Am I right? It's like, could you just wait a while? Could you let me enjoy this part first? Now, back to... Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. How, how many know that movie pretty good? Okay. In that movie, you have the Bumble, right? And the Bumble is the abominable snowman. Remember him? He's got crazy on top One per service. Um, but you also have Yukon Cornelius. He's a cool character, isn't he? And Yukon Cornelius, one day, you know, the Bumble comes in, he's got Rudolph trapped in a cave. And they need to find Rudolph with his nose so bright, help me ride my sleigh, you know, the whole thing. And so, Yukon Cornelius, he goes after the bumble, and they're fighting, and, and the whole thing, and, and Rudolph escapes. And you don't know what happened to the bumble, you don't know what happened to Yukon Cornelius. And the movie progresses. And then, Yukon Cornelius shows up. And they go, what happened to the bumble? What happened to him? Well, the bumble been defanged. And you see the bumble, he's got no more teeth. Because Yukon Cornelius and that one misfit toy that want to be a dentist, remember him? He had him while he's holding, he pulled all his teeth out. And so the bumble's still like, ah, he's scary looking. He looks intimidating, but he has no power to bite you anymore. He's been defanged, amen? And that's exactly what happened when we, you and I put our faith in Christ. The enemy, he can come and gum you to death. But he can't bite you. He can't make you do anything. The old nature's been crucified, and you and I are set free. The old nature's powerless because he's just been defanged. Amen to that one? Okay, now let's finish it off. Okay, you guys ready? Now, the third thing is this if I live by the Spirit, I will automatically do right. I will automatically do right. Now, look at verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no... That's a big statement right there. What does he mean by that? Against such things the fruit is... Uh, there's no law when it comes to that. Well, watch, watch, watch. If you have your Bible, watch. Verse 16, it says, Walk by the Spirit. Verse 18 says, be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, which we did not read, but it says, live by the Spirit. So if I walk, and I am led, and I live by the new nature, the Spirit of God, there's no law against that. Okay, what does that mean? It means this. 
It's a change of focus. See, too many of us do this. I don't want to go back. I don't want to do this. You're, you're looking at all that stuff. But if you walk and you're led and you live by the Spirit, you don't even need to know what's written for laws in the New Testament because you'll always do what you ought to do. You'll always live by the love of God and you'll serve other people that way. And it won't be about you. You won't bite and devour. You won't even need these laws because you're living by the Spirit of God. There is no law against these things, the fruit of the Spirit. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. So it's a shift. And once you make the shift, then you're going to find as time goes by and you keep doing this week in, week out, month in, month out, you just begin to flow spiritually and you don't, you leave the old flesh behind. So here's the big question. Or here's the last thought. I want to show you something that's really important. And I, whenever I speak on flesh versus spirit, especially Galatians 5, I will always close with this truth because I think it's important. And same illustration, same truth. Every time. Galatians, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 25, verse 19 to 24. Genesis 25. This is about Jacob and Esau, the twins. And watch what it says. Now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, of the Aramean of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, Rebekah, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. I just pray for anybody in this room watching at home, if you've been trying to conceive and you haven't been able to and you want a child, I just pray God this breakthrough for you. I pray whatever has been stopping this thing would be dislodged and there'd be a movement in your life and I pray that you get pregnant soon so you and your spouse can enjoy children amen but the children struggled together within her and she said if it is so why then am I this way so she went to inquire of the Lord so the two kids are in there and they're fighting the Lord said to her, and here's the key, two nations are in your womb and two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Okay. Okay, so she's got these twins in her and they're fighting. You thought it was bad enough your kids fight outside the womb. These guys are fighting in the womb. Jacob and Esau. Esau is born first. Jacob's the younger. He's born a little bit late, minutes later. But there's a struggle between They fight. And it's a picture of the old nature and the new nature. It says the older shall serve the younger. So there's a reversal here. That's unusual, but it is a reversal. 
let's just take the principle okay the older shall serve the younger and there's a struggle okay I'm in my 60s so I've got a lot of experience with that old nature of mine in sinning does anyone know what I'm talking about raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about I've got, I've got some experience in sinning my old nature man he's 67 years old but I got I became a Christian on August 12, 1979 so my born again spirit is 44 years old but my old sinning nature is 60 some years old but my new born again nature is 44 years old so my old sinful nature is older but my new born again spiritual nature is younger but the older must serve the the younger how do I do that this guy's older my old sinful nature is older he knows what he's doing he wants to sin how do I make the role reversal what do I do there's a simple thing that you do it's an old illustration or a long time ago and I always share and don't worry I'm not into dog fighting but it's an illustration but the old illustration goes like this that there was this guy up in Alaska somewhere in these remote areas and every Saturday he'd come to town and the people would gather there because he'd bring his dogs for dog fights and they'd make bets which dog's going to win after they made their bets then he'd make his bet because he brought the dogs every Saturday night he wins the dog he picks wins but he waits till everybody bets first and he wins and this goes on for months and so finally somebody asks him well how do you pick the winning dog every time how do you know and he says really easy he says the one I want to win I feed that week and the ones I want to lose I don't simple isn't it who do you want to win the old nature that wants to sin the raven that looks for death or the new nature the dove that looks for life the new spirit because whichever one you want to win you're going to feed and you're going to starve the other one it's just that simple this is something you must do week in and week out and week in and week out for the rest of your life and as you do this and feed your spirit through the word of God reading it studying it worship you come to church fellowship with other believers you cannot be an isolated believer and think you're growing you can't you can, it's not possible be generous serve you're building your spirit person but you're starving the old nature simultaneously till pretty soon your spirit is so strong here's can I give you one more corny illustration it just popped in my head I didn't say it in first I always think this when it comes to the spiritual nature you ever go to the gym and you see those guys all jacked up <laughs> right they, they try to scratch their nose and like, I used to be that way a long time ago <laughs> but then, then they stand in the mirror you know yeah. and, and no offense if you do that I wish I could do that because if I do that people go but, um, but I would always wonder if this is just a stupid thought I'd have at the gym and, yeah, and yes I go to the gym okay is that these guys with all the muscles upon muscles and flexing if that if we could switch that mirror and I'm standing next to them and it would just reveal the spirit person in them who would be the muscular one 
I'd stand and I'd be like, yeah, whatever it is, you know. Because I'd be feeding the Spirit all this time. And if you want to win, you want to put that old nature in subjection and quit going back to that old death sequence, raven, then guess what? You got to know that when you came to Christ, you got this, this moment you know, that your old nature was crucified. You can only yell at you. can't make you do anything. It's been, been defanged. If you live by the Spirit, you don't have to even worry about the laws. You'll automatically do what's right. And you've got to starve the old nature, and you've got to feed the new nature. And when you do that, you've changed your direction. And by nature of that, this guy starves. He grows weaker, even though he's older. And your new nature, which is younger, he grows stronger because you're feeding that. And you're feeding that. And that's how you win the battle of the flesh versus the Spirit. It's simple, but you just got to do it. Nobody can force you to do it. Now, as you sit here today, if you're not a born-again believer, and that's something Jesus said, I didn't make that up, nobody makes it up, it's from Jesus' own mouth. And he tells it to an extremely religious man who thought he was going to heaven. He really did. He was the teacher of Israel. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you won't see heaven. In other words, he told the extremely religious teacher, he says, you're on your way to hell right now unless you're born again. Isn't that shocking? I mean, that guy must have been shocked to hear that. But Jesus was honest. You must be born again. You must allow the Spirit of God to come live in you and be born anew. That's what born again means. And then you feed, begin to feed that Spirit. You must ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And that's why He came. To die on a cross, to carry our sins, shed blood, His blood, His innocent, perfect blood, to forgive us of our sins. And you must believe that he did die, buried, and he rose from the dead. And he rose from the dead. And there's evidence for that too, historically. But you have to go down that road. You have to put your faith in him to be saved. Now, nobody can force you. Nobody can make you. God's a gentleman. But I do know that God says, Peter writes in the New Testament, God isn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants to save you, friend. He wants to save you. And you don't know when the clock ends for you, but you can only be saved on this side of the grave. After you die, it's appointed unto a man to die once, and after this comes a judgment, New Testament says. So I want you to close your eyes right now. Everybody, please, no moving around. It's a holy moment. If you'd like to place your faith in Jesus and become a born-again believer, great. Or maybe you backslid and you went back out into the deeds of the flesh and you're living in your way and this and that and you're so far away from God but now it's time to get right with God. Great. But if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus or rededicate your life, I want you to do one simple thing between you and me and God. I want you to open up your eyes right now, look up at me, I'm going to look back around the room. When our eyes meet, you can close them. But do it right now. Just do it right now. Now, those of you who looked up at me, I'm going to say a prayer. You need to repeat it out loud after me. Everyone here is going to repeat it with you. New Testament writer Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. So you got to say it with your mouth. 
But you got to believe it. You got to believe that He is the God man, that He came to earth to save us from our sins. He visited His creation, that they murdered Him. He took our place on that cross for our sins, and He rose from the dead, conquering death. So here we go. Repeat this prayer. Everybody say it with those who looked up at me. All together, here we go. Thank you, Jesus. For dying for me on the cross, shedding your blood to forgive me. Forgive me my sins, and I know I'm forgiven. Holy Spirit, come live in my life. Today I choose to follow you. I surrender, and I give you my entire life for the rest of my life. You are my Savior, the only God. Now let me pray. God, I pray, and I hope, God, and I pray for your friend who looked up. Listen to me as I pray. You got to follow up on this. You can't just walk away and say, oh, that was nice. That doesn't cut anything. That doesn't get you anywhere. You have to believe it. And if you believe these things, then you'll follow up on it because action follows belief, true belief. But I pray for you because now you've entered into the battle of new life. And now your name is recorded in heaven if you put faith in Jesus so that you know that you know that when you die, whenever that is, and no one knows when it is, that you're going to heaven. You're going to be with Christ. Lord, thank you that all of heaven rejoices over anyone who repents and comes to you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen and amen. Stand up with me, everybody. Stand up with me. Now, a few things before I let you go. Uh, if you have any prayer needs whatsoever, please take advantage. Our prayer partners are to my left or right. Take advantage of that. Go get your prayer needs met. Please, if you looked up at me for salvation rededication, go talk to somebody. Go ask them to pray. They'll take two minutes of your time. It will help you tremendously. Please take advantage of that. But thank you for everything that you do at this church. So here we go. Repeat after me. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.